Kiora Wellington. You're listening to Wellington Access Radio, 7:83 a.m. and now 106.1 FM. Wahoo! Available <laughs> nationwide. Available, available Wellington wide, <laughs> uh, and streaming online nationwide, worldwide. Actually, <laughs> this is the first worldwide radio station I've been on. Now, uh, welcome, welcome. B-side stories, stories of the people who make Wellington tick. We've got a big show for you today. My name's Laura Kewen. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Perrine Gilkerson, and we're going to be interviewing Annabelle Wilson today from Ravel Productions. Fantastic. We, I want to tease the second half as well. We've got a cool set of recordings that uh, I did. Um, yours truly completed these um, from Race Relations Day over the weekend, uh, which has some very cool stuff in it, so do stay tuned to listen to those. Uh, but let's kick off with some theater talk. Great. Nice. Hi, Annabelle. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Thanks for coming along. So you Thank have you. a busy week this week. It's all go, yes. Hacking into bats yesterday, mm-hmm. rehearsing today. Yeah. And tell us about the show that you've got starting tomorrow. So we've got opening night tomorrow. We're super excited um, to premiere the show in Wellington that uh, I personally have been working on for quite a long time. Uh, it all started, the seed material came from a thesis project that I did uh, as part of my master's in creative writing. And I looked at uh, the significance of place, uh, the place of the Southern Lakes and what it means, uh, the effect of the mountains on our psyche and how this is conveyed in poetry and film. And uh, this led to a friend of mine, Anna Shaw, reading my creative material and suggesting I had turned it into a play. So that process has been happening over about the last 12 months, uh, a couple of workshops uh, down at the Vogelmorn Hall, uh, some showings up in the Wairapa and down in Wanaka. Uh, we just uh, had our first uh, premiere for a South Island audience at the Festival of Colour. Uh, we sold out down there at Ripon Hall, so we're really excited now to bring it to bats. That's awesome. And so you've come um, from doing a show about down south, mm-hmm. actually doing it down south, and now you're bringing it to Wellington. Yes, yeah. So a different audience, um, but we want to convey um, that feeling of that uh, landscape within bats. And so we're really looking forward to bringing a bit of that uh, mana of the mountains and the lakes and the rivers to the awesome theatre space that bats is. How do you bring a big landscape into <laughs> ah. <laughs> a small theatre. Well, interestingly, um, for me, my first creative language, I guess, is poetry. So the show itself begins with poetry. um, And that was the spark or the inspiration for a lot of the devising work we did. We looked at um, various poems uh, and spoken word pieces that I've written about the southern landscape and um, people's relationship to place. From that, uh, we've got the amazing Corey Champion who has woven in a beautiful and really evocative soundscape, which really creates an amazing sense of place and space. And tied into that as well, we have um, a design by Poppy Serrano who uses metres and metres of yellow line to make the mountain ranges. And... A giant clothesline as well. 
Got it all. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so the people that are involved in this, so you're from down south. You're from yes. Wanaka. Originally, yes. And But you've been in Wellington for a while now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the others working on the show, are mm-hmm. they, how well connected were they to the landscape in question? Uh, well, so we have uh, KJ Smith as our director. She is originally from Ranfurly, so she's got an understanding, having grown up in that landscape. I was just there the other day. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ranfurly, represent. <laughs> it was <cool>. yeah. <laughs> And um, the rest of our crew are Wellington creatives. Um, and for us, it's been really cool to um, bring the crew down to the Southern Lakes. Uh, a couple of them hadn't been there before, to Wanaka and Lake Hawea and Queenstown and Glenorchy. Uh, so for me, it was important that we did the first show down there. Uh, we all stayed at this cute, cute uh, little place by the lake. Um, Is called, that Lake Hawea? Yeah, called the Black Shack, and it's uh, very quaint and very old school. It's got an outdoor fire bath. And for me, in my mind's eye, that's where some of the characters hang out and have their conflicts and things. So to bring the actors there was really special. So where they have been engaging with that sense of landscape just through the page and through our devising and conversations, um, they got to have a real-life experience of it. And, and, and now um, I can really see they can, they're, they're drawing on that and it's, it's great to see it all unravelling. <laughs> <laughs> Did it change the feeling being down there and getting everyone down yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was really exciting for me to bring the play back to the place where it all began. Um, and just as a group, we're uh, all collaborators, so it's been really cool to be working together. And it was the play itself is about a journey, so it's, it's cool to be able to have gone on a journey, um, yeah, both sort of physically and emotionally mm. with our crew. Yeah. So could you give us a bit of a little synopsis? Oh, yes, sure thing. <laughs> um so on one level, <laughs> it's about a woman um, played by Frankie Burge who um, returns from a long time overseas to her Alpine hometown um, upon the, di- the uh, diagnosis that her brother Sam receives. So she comes back uh, somewhat reluctantly to look after him, to spend some time with him and uh, her return is a little bit fraught because she runs into an ex-lover and mm-hmm. um, the three of them uh, have quite a little bit of drama and things <laughs> to sort out um, what you see through a series of almost like vignettes. The play itself uh, can be thought of as a theatrical poem. So each scene is like a little poem in itself or a verse in a larger poem. Uh, that escalates and builds tension. Um, and I can't tell you too much more <laughs> other than um, you'll see a trio of unravelling lives in a southern landscape. <laughs> how, is, um, how is poetry a part, of, a part of the play or a part of the story? Uh, so uh, we use poetry um, in one sense... Uh, as a transitional device. So the poetry links some of the more naturalistic scenes together. Um, But as the story continues, the 
spoken word elements begin to overlap and spill and slip into the naturalism. Uh, so it's it's a question that I've been interested in exploring for a while. How does the rational and the poetic coincide? And so mm. I've been experimenting with seeing how that can pan out on stage, which has been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. And so you referenced... Um, Dennis Glover in yes. there, and mm-hmm. who else has been inspiring you, or what else? Mm, who or what? Uh, Dennis Glover, um, well, it's interesting, you have yeah, a lot of poets who have written about place, um, and for me, I guess there's a few different waves of how place has been represented in New Zealand poetry. You've got, like, uh, the old school, James K. Baxter, uh, Dennis Glover, and then... And they romanticise the landscape quite a bit. Um, however, then you look at, or well, in film, Jane Campion, and it's her landscapes of the South are more brutal than um, magical. And I'm interested in, in that shift. Uh, someone like David Eagleton, uh, another Dunedin poet, has really inspired me because he writes almost like in a punk rant rap style and his way of describing the landscape um, really stirs things up and it's uh, a shift away from romanticism into something a bit more uh, fractured and fragmented, mm. which I think is the way a lot of um, artworks are going with their representation of place now. Is that... So is the mood of the play... Mm-hmm. The mood of the play is sort of... A bit, a bit fractious. It's like exactly it's kind of yeah. stark and spooky. You know, the landscape yeah. of the South Island a bit shaky in every sense of the word. Yeah, exactly. So um, the ex-lover is a scientist. So he's actually exploring the science of fracture. He's uh, a guy who's investigating the impact of climate change as conveyed through uh, the Mount Aspiring glaciers. So he's metaphorically really looking at the shakiness and instability of our landscape Mm. and what that means. And again, the landscape then represents the shakiness and the cracks and the craziness of what's happening in these characters' lives. How how did your play go down where where it's where it's been performed already? Where have you where have you had it? So we uh, took it to Glenorchy first, which was really cool. Wow! Did a wee bit of a roadie, so we were technically in Southland, which was <laughs> awesome. Um, what kind of venue did, were you in in Glenorchy? A beautiful community hall. So it had stags' heads and lots of wood. Um, so that was great. Yeah. Um, so we strung up our lions and uh, mountain ranges and uh, we were really interested to see who would turn up but when something happens in Glenorchy people show up so um, we got a lot of great feedback people hung out at the end had a chat with us um, about how it was really cool for something to come to Glenorchy and tell a story that about a place that's really familiar to them but in quite an innovative and different and surprising way so it was really well received in Glenorchy and then Wanaka is my hometown, so it was awesome to share um, what I've been working on for the past couple of years with um, that community down there, and we sold out there. And I suppose taking it back to where it's from, Mm. you would have had to be 
extra careful not to rely too much on kind of cliches or Mm -hmm. ways of representing people that... Exactly, yeah. So we have, um, we've got a guy called Frank and he's... He's not a typical Southern man. He is, is this, oh, one of the characters. He's, he, yeah, so, yeah. He's um, uh, <laughs> you know, Frank. Uh, this guy over here. I've got the poster here in the studio. This guy, um, Frank, who's the ex-lover who turns up. He's a what I think of as a smouldering glaciologist. So he has some aspects of the Southern man, but yet he's got a tenderness to him as well. So we're avoiding cliche and... Um, Elsie, who returns from overseas, yeah, she's done the typical Kiwi OE thing, but she's been living in Berlin rather than the classic London. Mm. And Sam, while Sam's the brother, while he has a terminal illness, it's not a cancer play. He's he's the joker or the clown mm. or the um, the person who uses humour to cope with things in the play, because a lot of the work is about ways of coping and. Um, how to feel at home in a place and where is home? Can it be in more places than one? Can it be with a person? Hmm. You talked mm-hmm. a bit about the san- the soundscape, sorry, Perrine, uh, mm-hmm. the soundscape of the play. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about that? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Go so from the moment the audience arrive, you're really enveloped in a quite large, expansive, evocative world created by Soundscape. And that's been developed by um, Corey Champion, who has been amazing to work with. Um, and he he's great to work with because he'll we'll just say, oh, we want the sense of kind of a bit of a tension build here. Or can you create something that sounds like the lake, but not in a literal sense? And he'll be like <laughs> tinkering away on a keyboard and a synth and using some um, awesome symbols and he'll create a really strong sense of place and uh, experiment with different sounds. And so we've got sounds that recur to show the passing of time and sounds that build and later on in the work, sounds that overlap. So the sounds can be um, things like synth. I've got a bit of piano Um, and then a lot of voice is used. So although we only have three characters played by actors, um, there are more characters than that in the story. So Mm. we have um, a few local people we relied on to uh, lend us their voices to play parts um, that the audience will just hear. So it's a kind of work where you can just go and uh, just really soak up the sounds as well as what you see. And how did you establish that relationship? Or, you know, how did you find this person who could make these soundscapes that spoke to you so well? Well, uh, fortunately, that was um, through Anna Shaw, who was originally the person who I'd been working with um, on the script from its um, naissance. So she had the connection with Corey as a long-time friend and has worked with him in theatre before. Um, so their um, ability to work together um, got the, the tone of the play in place and um, she's actually away this year. So we've uh, had some changes and we've got a new director on board. We've kept that um, beautiful 
relationship. And some people have said that the the music is really like the heartbeat of the story. It's like the the stepping stones that link it all together. And so, um, can you tell us a bit about Ravel Productions? Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, your motto is. If I can just go, <laughs> yeah. go through it. We tell stories, interesting, <laughs> mm-hmm. innovative and engaging stories about people in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you talk about the innovations mm-hmm. there, mm-hmm. is that mostly through the sound or are there other ways that you're... Yeah, so um, yeah, definitely through sound and definitely through experimenting with different ways of storytelling. So uh, this is not a straight up kitchen sink drama um, just things like crashing spoken word into a more naturalistic scene um, and being a bit experimental with how we've created the world uh, in terms of the design. So using um, simple materials to create something quite beautiful has been uh, one of our visions for this work. And how many of you are working in that production company or is that what it is so, a production company? yeah so um we have so we have uh elsie played by frankie burge we've got uh sam played by calvin peterson frank uh is played by chris tempest we've got some awesome soundscape voices in there uh nina ko uh louis tate um corey actually recorded himself to be one of the voices and um, KJ, the director, is in there as well. So it's a bit of a treat when you get to um, a certain part of the play. You can pick out all these voices. Uh, Vanessa Stacy, we roped her into. Um, Poppy Serrano as uh, our designer. Um, had some amazing uh, dramaturgical mentoring from Gary Henderson. Um, and we have Jason Longstaff on board as our lighting person. And as well as that, a uh, bunch of uh, friends and colleagues who are helping with things like merch and media and um, stage management. So it's, yeah, it's one of those things where people help out and understand that it's a creative work that um, wouldn't happen if it wasn't for people giving their energy and time. Yes, and <laughs> people did. Yeah, we're very lucky, yeah. Um, so you um, had a successful crowd what do we call them? Crowdfunding. Crowdfunding. Exercise. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. we did. Yeah. So um, in order to bring the show to Wanaka and then so the practical aspect of getting all these actors on the plane, uh, flying to Queenstown, which is like the most expensive airport in New Zealand, it feels like, and then back again, um, we needed to raise some money for that. Uh, just things like fuel cost so much. <laughs> Uh, so fortunately, we raised 2K thanks to our Pledge Me campaign. We uh, set ourselves the task of raising 2K in two weeks. So it's a bit of a mission, and um, people are probably really sick of seeing me um, uh, on Facebook and stuff. <laughs> uh, but I was just like, right, I'm just going to do this because it's not going to happen otherwise. And um, we had some really cool rewards. So. Uh, down at our Ripon shows and at Glenorchy, you could get a goodie bag if you pledged a little bit of money. Um, at our bat shows, you can get a beautiful poetry chapbook. Um, a what did you call it? A chapbook. So it's like a, a bit of an antiquated term for a small, non-commercial um, 
booklet, often handmade. So I've hand-stitched some cool little booklets that um, have some my poetry in there that's also featuring in the play. Right, just because mm-hmm. you didn't have enough to do. Yeah, just because <laughs> Something as soothing to stitch, you know, 25 little booklets together and trim the pages and things like that. <laughs> it's all part of the process. Yeah. Um, and so you talked about kind of not being able to do it without mm-hmm. the crowdfunding. And mm-hmm. I mean, do you think theatre is pretty reliant on that kind of thing these days? I think there's many different ways to um, engage an audience and get the support um, that is needed to put on shows. Um, There's conventional ways and then um, sometimes you just have to go think outside the square. Um, So there's a lot of funding bodies where we were able to apply to and uh, happily uh, had a few of our proposals accepted, which is really exciting. Oh, yeah, um, it looks like you got a few yeah, bits yeah. of funding along yeah. the way. And so that's always won- pleasing. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's a bit of a mission, but it's it's just uh, it's it's part of the process, and um, it is cool to see there there are grants out there that you can um, apply for and get, even if you're not necessarily that well known yet yeah. as an emerging writer or artist it's um it is hard work to get something up on the stage or get something published but um every no is just like one closer to that yes <laughs> that's a nice <laughs> one way closer looking at yeah. it yeah it's like um, a, a breakup you know it's one closer <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah and like Every time that you get an application approved or mm. when you get you reach your target on Pledge Me, mm-hmm. it's showing that people believe in you. Yeah. Even if... Yeah, I think, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's humbling and it's gratifying to get that acknowledgement. Um, and, um, yes, it takes a little bit of time, but... It, yeah, it's cool to see there is yeah, there's a, a real thirst for um, creative work, and particularly Wellington audiences really uh, support new work. Bats Theatre is amazing for um, all their systems and the support that they offer um, for new artists and practitioners to get work to happen. Um, <laughs> So phone's I think going off I the know. Hook there. It's what's happening um, well, when you're putting on a play. There's um, a lot going on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I think it's it's really cool um, just to see there is that support out there, whether it's from a big funding body or, or just your mates or your family. Um, it's there, um, and you just need to tap into it. <laughs> yeah. And so if we can go a bit into um, your background, right? Yeah. Um, have you been have you been dedicated to theater or have you done you've done a bit of poetry and you're working on that at the same time or has it all mm-hmm. been kind of your time focused into the theater um i guess for me i was i have always been a writer uh i have also been a teacher i'm still teaching i what do you teach i teach english drama and media studies currently uh, relief teaching, which is awesome because it has a good balance, a uh, good 
uh, way to um, have a bit of bread and butter just in case, you know, your show <laughs> doesn't pay the rent. Um, yeah. And also it's a cool way just to um, work with young people and to um, support the next generation of creatives as well. So I guess I've yeah, always been a writer, also a teacher. Um, Theatre is more of a new language for me. Um, so that's where collaboration has been really key and, and it's been great to have um, such a cool team to work with and to have mentors who are ready to offer their support and feedback. And will, will this be, or the previous ones, is mm. this your first theatre production? Um, interestingly, um, when I was a student in Dunedin, I wrote a couple of student plays that were performed at this cool, now defunct cafe slash bar called Fuel. Oh, it was kind of in the back of like, it was used to be an old fish factory. So it had, you kind of walked in like you're walking into a freezer, but it just happened to have an awesome stage and they had things like, you know, $2 pint night and stuff. So that went well with having a show. Um, so I uh, put on a show with a few friends Um first one, you know, they're very student drama. The first one was called Wasted Weekend, and it was entirely set in a living room. Um, we just had one piece of furniture, which was a sofa that one guy sat on, like, the whole the whole duration of the show, and things kept getting missing, going missing down the side of the sofa and things. Um, and that was called Wasted Weekend, and then the next one I did the next year was called Kitchen, so... The people in the show was slight, the, in the story was slightly more grown up, but the whole thing took place in a kitchen. And one guy was this insomniac artist who painted something over the entire set during a waking insomnia moment, which took place over the duration of the play. So they were kind of like little interesting wee stepping stone projects. Um, Bizarrely, yeah, bizarrely, and that was a very long time ago, and bizarrely when I was um, looking for a new director um, because Anna had been offered a job overseas in Australia, I um, was introduced by Hannah Clark to KJ Smith, and then I thought I recognised her, and she was actually in Wasted Weekend. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a cool little... Um, I'm sure there's thing a that shows the didn't... circular nature of life. It was quite cool. Yeah. So ever since those two productions, this is the first um, proper one. Yeah. And yeah, you've gone from me. very micro sets, set. Oh, definitely to like contained. yeah. Let's just create the whole of the Southern Lakes and Mount Aspiring National Park. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> On that note, have you managed mm -hmm. to see Aurora Australis? I did go looking a wee while ago. Not the very most recent one, but about it. About 10 days ago with my um, Chilean flatmate, we went aurora hunting up by the zoo and mm. we saw some beautiful kind of greeny stripes in the sky while the lions and the tigers were kicking off. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well done, Wellington. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only in Wellington. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Should we have a bit of a – see if we can listen to um, – 
a bit of that soundscape, or did we not sort that out yet? We didn't <laughs> sort it out, but if uh, Corey's music is on your phone, I can plug that in through the oh, studio. Oh, yeah, let me see. Um, oh, I just turned it off because it was going oh, so crazy. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Let's, let's um, play a song that's one of my favorites, and it is also inspired by the South Island. Cool. Uh, this is, uh, it's Akaroa's Fault by mm. Dudley Benson. Lighthouse Graveyard A lady Fatima Lighthouse Graveyard A lady Fatima A lighthouse A graveyard A lady Fatima Inside the love of 
That was Dudley Benson. It's Akaroa's Fault. You're listening to Wellington Access Radio, 783 AM. This is B-Side Stories. We were going to try and do something a little bit fancy now and <laughs> um, get the soundscape from, or an excerpt from, of the soundscape from um, the show, No Science to Goodbye, starting at BATS this week. Well, starting and finishing at BATS mm-hmm. this week. Um, and have it going in the in the background as we conclude our interview, but yeah, you, yes. we may or may not pull that I off. Can we'll see. I can do it. I can do it. It's a potential thing. Yeah. <laughs> no promises. Um, can I just ask you a little bit, slightly on a side note, about mm-hmm. um, Wanaka's Festival of Colour? Yes. Have you been to that before? What, what's Very going much on so. There? Huge fan of the Festival of Colour. Um, it has been running, I think, for... 12 years about um, in Wanaka um, and it it's called the Best Little Arts Festival in New Zealand so it, every two years uh, the Southern Lakes just come alive with music, theatre art, street art um, performance a whole lot of uh, free events all kinds of um, different uh, musicians um and theatre practitioners, often from as far afield as New York, the Edinburgh Festival. Um, we're really lucky to have it in our midst down in, uh, it's based in Wanaka, but they have little satellite events mm. in um, Bannockburn and uh, Cromwell, places like that. Um, a lot of young people get involved. It's a really cool schools program, and it's also got... Um, a celebration of ideas and discussion called Aspiring Conversations. So it's a really rich, rich festival um, that I'm a very big uh, advocate of. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Perrine, can you hear that in the background? Yeah, it's really lovely. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> it's taking me down uh. and seeing the southern skies. <laughs> I have spent heaps of time down that way too. So oh, great. It's yeah. really... Um, yeah, I'm excited to see the show and um, excellent, and see it portrayed on a Wellington stage. Um, so, just before we finish up here, mm-hmm. um, can you just tell us a bit about what's next for you mm. and your production company? And yes, um, I'm quite excited because I have recently um, just heard that I've got a three week residency at the Robert Lord Writers Cottage down in Dunedin. Um, nice. So back down south, yes. Yeah. Um, and the proposal I sent um, for that was the prequel to No Science Too Goodbye. So um, I'm really interested in, in experimenting with things like um, prequels and a lot of what's happening on the small screen in theatre. So mm. I want to explore what happened seven years before this story of No Science Too Goodbye um, in the story of... Elsie going overseas um, on the classic OE, but things not go, quite going uh, as she had hoped or planned. Uh, and she's travelling in the footsteps of some uh, very well-known New Zealand writers. Um, sort of unwittingly, she finds herself 
following a similar trajectory and almost being followed around by Catherine Mansfield and Janet Frame. So that's my next project, um, and I get to hang out in Robert Lord's cottage in Dunedin on Titan Street. <laughs> yeah, so I'm excited for that. Um, just on that note, have you read that Janet Frame book that is about a similar kind of thing? <gasps> Which one? It's uh, one uh, of the um, Envoy for Mirror City? Or no, no, no. It's um, Towards Another Summer. Towards it's, Another Summer is her Is it one. a graphic novel? That one? <laughs> I'm not being very helpful. Mona Minim and the Smell of the Sun. <laughs> Just um, list everything she's ever written. No, I think it was one of the posthumous ones. And right. it's about a writer who goes and does a residency mm-hmm. in Menton, I think, where ah, Catherine Mansfield had right. been. Mm-hmm. And so it's this kind of sense of being haunted mm-hmm. by their journey and stuff. Could yeah. be an interesting read. Yeah. Mm. I should check that one out. Yeah, the most recent one of hers I've read is Towards Another Summer, which has similar ideas of um, displacement. Um, and that feeling of not being quite, yeah, at home or or being you know haunted by ideas or another person, yeah, she'll haunt you. All oh right. yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So can we just finish up with a bit of a promo? Of sure. Tell everyone yeah, what so to do. If no they science. Want to. No science to goodbye is opening tomorrow night. Uh, we'd love to see you there. Seven o'clock at Bats. Um, we did sell out down south, so. Really good idea to pre-book. Just go to book at bats.co.nz or give them a call. Um, and we're on Wednesday 26th until Saturday the 29th, 7 o'clock. It's going to be a very good time. The show's an hour and we will transport you to another place. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming along. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. It was lovely to hear about. Awesome. And as someone who counts himself as a big fan of spoken word poetry and also a big fan of the South Island. Cool. <laughs> It'll be right up my tick, alley. Tick. We'll see you there. <laughs>